Hello, everybody, and welcome to the debut episode of Charge On, a UCF football podcast. I am your host, Sean Green. What an awesome honor and privilege it is to be with you today. Uh, we have a lot of people to thank. First off, want to get through those as quick as possible to give you guys the content you deserve when it comes to UCF football. I want to thank everybody at Hitting the Field Network. Listen, you've got a bunch of people coming on from that network from UCF that really uh, helped us out, trained us, um, and we got a lot of work uh, to show for it from Hitting the Field Network. So I want to give all of the people there a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to Believe, who gave me the opportunity to have this show. Um, I am eternally grateful, and we are not going to disappoint. And to all UCF fans... Um, I thank you guys for tuning in if you're watching us, and uh, hopefully we can bring you the best content that you can get every week, and we'll talk about how you can get involved with the show a little later on. Um, We're really excited about it, and we're so happy to get started, Uh, but let me introduce you to my guests who, they're going to be on pretty much every episode. These are my boys. Um, We were in HTFN together. They were the host of one of the shows on the network. Um, Mr. Rob Husby and Nick Gettys. Nick, Nick lives in Tampa. Nick used to live here when he was, you know, going to UCF. He's using his degree. Um, Nick, how are you doing? How excited are you to be talking UCF football once again, honestly? Bro, I'm I'm thrilled to be here again talking UCF football because it's been it's been nearly two years, I think, since I got a chance to cover UCF. Uh, the, the last year of Josh Heupel, if we remember that one, was the last time I was there. It feels like decades ago, and it's only been two years. Uh, and, and yes, as you said, I have since moved back home in Tampa. Uh, am using my degree. Yes, I am using it. Uh, but I am in Tampa, so I know you think I'm a villain for this show because I'm <laughs> I'm from Tampa, and I may or may not have some nice things to say about the team that resides in South Florida. Okay. South Florida. I may or may not have some good things to say, so I might be a villain, but I'm glad to be here. Like I said, UCF fans, he's a guest on the show. Um, so you can berate him as much as humanly possible. Um, we won't hate you for it. Honestly, we respect it. Um, Robert Husby, not using his degree. Let's call that, you know, so it's been a while, Rob. I know we were talking about the other day. This is like, you haven't done a lot of on-camera stuff since the show uh, a year ago with uh, hitting the field. So do you know what you're doing still? Or like, do I need to find somebody else? I mean, are, are you good? No, I mean, I think I'm up to it. I, I, you know, I retain, I retain everything very well. It definitely has felt a lot longer than just one year. I mean, it feels like yeah. we've been, we've been away from UCF for at least five. Like it's, it's gone by really fast, but no, I mean, it's always nice to talk about UCF football. It's funny because at UCF, it seems like we couldn't stop talking about UCF and couldn't stop talking about college football. And now it's kind of, we hit a dead point and now we're back. So listen, it's great to be here. It's great to be talking UCF. We're, we're rolling. Yeah. And I think the good thing, what's crazy, Rob, and what's actually kind of funny is when we were at UCF, right? It was like, we would talk about UCF, right? We would talk about UCF football and we'd be excited. But it wasn't like we're now doing a show where it's only UCF football. When we had our shows, we were talking about every sport, every team. Now we are fully ingrained into UCF football where I don't think we would have a year ago. You know what I mean? So, yes, it has felt like five years away from campus. But I think this is going to give us an opportunity to feel closer to the team. And also, we're fan like we're fans, right? Like, I've been a UCF fan my entire life. We were all fans. We're all alumni. So I think we are a little bit younger in the sense that we can, you know, kind of relate to some of these guys where maybe people that have been covering the team a little bit longer, though we love them all to death. We'll name them off. We love everybody that covers UCF. But we were just, you know, in college. We were just in that position. So um, it'll be a fun ride. I'm excited to do it with you guys. And we're going to have a bunch of guests in the coming weeks uh, joining the show. This is by fans for fans, to quote one of my favorite Orlando Magic podcasts, The Six Man Show. It's by fans for fans. We want to bring you guys the best content. So let's just get right into it, boys. Sound good? You guys ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. The depth chart got released yesterday, or two days ago. Depth chart got released on Monday. Not really a lot of surprises. A little bit of 
some, okay, like some, okay, this, this guy, we saw him being in this position. Let's first talk about the quarterback battle. Obviously, John Rice Plumley a couple weeks ago got named the starter. There was a quarterback battle, him and Mikey Keene. Ultimately, John Rice Plumley came on on top. Nick, I think the question that I think everybody was saying was, as soon as John Rice Plumley came to UCF, was that quarterback position, you know, kind of situated? Like they say, oh, it's a quarterback battle. And I think we all love Mikey Keene. And I think Mikey Keene has a lot of haters for no reason. Man came in as a true freshman to take over for somewhat of a traitor, but we're not going to discuss that. You know, Dylan Gabriel was what he was. He did great. Whatever. I, I Listen, I don't care. Uh, John Rice Plumley come, comes here. You know, Mikey puts on a great performance, beats Florida in a bowl game, but he doesn't have that ability to run. He really is a stay-in-the-pocket type of guy. Do you think as soon as John Rice Plumley signed to come here, that was that? That was it? I'll be honest. I, I was a bit shocked and a little surprised that the starting job did go to John Rice Plumley. I mean, yes, you said, and a lot of people were saying that when he got here, it looked like that quarterback competition probably went in his favor because he is what you call a Gus Malzahn quarterback because he can move with his feet. And honestly, I think he can move better with his feet than he can than honestly throw at this point uh, than in his career. And, you know, there's a reason why, let's not remember, there's a reason why Lane Kiffin removed him from the quarterback position. And obviously it's because there was good talent in there with Matt Corral. But there still was a reason he did it. He converted him to a receiver, didn't get much playing time. Uh, he had the baseball thing going on there as well, which I, I always thought he was a better baseball player than football player, if I'm being completely honest with you on this. So am I surprised that he's your quarterback as we get two days away from game day? Yes, I am. But again, Gus Malzahn, when you take over a program, you inherit, you don't, you don't have to go with the guys that you inherit, right? And he inherited Mikey Keene. And of course he always wanted to get his guy in there. And I told this to y'all off air. He kind of, Mikey Keene to me is in the same vein of like a Nick Marshall, who was Gus Malzahn's first quarterback at Auburn, took him to a national championship. He was really good with the legs and he got him there to a national championship. I'm not saying John Rice Plumley is doing that by any means, but it's definitely the style of play that he, that he wants to, to get into this offense. And, you know, I hate it for Mikey Keene because thrust into a tough, tough situation last year and it didn't start well, but he ended pretty darn well as the quarterback for UCF last season. Um, I believe they finished what five of their last six were victories. So uh, including the bowl game victory, so six of the last seven against Florida. I don't think this is settled by any means. I think we're going to find out more about this when we get to Louisville. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, we will see with John Rice. Again, I think, let's be real here, the reason he won the job was because of his legs. I mean, Mikey, I think we can all agree again, is the more accurate passer, which in UCF's offense, if you're looking at the prototypical quarterback you want, you know, we saw it. It was Mackenzie Milton. Accurate but can also get out of the pocket. Rob, here's the problem I think we can all say that we're a little nervous about. And let me ask you it. John Rice Plumley, when he was at Ole Miss, he got out of the pocket a lot and he ran for a lot of yards. Like as a true freshman, I mean, there's no denying it. The problem is, when is it basically you're going every play? You're, you're running too much. You're not looking down the field. Do you have that little bit of nervous energy when you see John Rice, hopefully on Thursday where you're like, listen, make those throws down the field. You don't have to get out of the pocket and run every time because ultimately we need him to make those deep passes. Are you nervous about that, about him not being that quarterback passer that we, we need him to be? Yeah, and I think that's the one knock on him, right, is just the the worry about him bailing out too much every play. Like if he's just relying on the run, and him getting out of the pocket and running himself, you don't want to be classified as a one-trick pony. You know, you want it, you want somebody that's got an arm as well. Because that was the thing with Mackenzie Milton was not only did Mackenzie Milton have the speed and have an incredible ability to get out of the pocket himself and run the ball himself, but also he was able to throw out of tough situations like that. And that's the one concern. Does John Rice Plumley have the accuracy to get out of that situation like that? Um He's definitely got the arm strength. I mean, we saw Ryan O'Keefe uh, this past week um, in an interview talk about how underrated John Rice's arm is. Uh, he's got an incredible, incredible arm strength. Um, 
for a guy that's really known as a runner that can run like a four, four, um, as a quarterback. So I think having a, a strong arm like that is very important, but it's also being accurate with it. And when he gets, you know, frazzled, when he gets hassled by the defensive line, is he going to be able to get out of a situation where maybe he's not going to be able to run? You know, is he going to be able to make somewhat of an accurate pass? Cause again, you don't want to be known as a one trick pony and you don't want to be, you know, picked up by defenses like that, where they're going to be able to see very easily, oh, he's going to run because he's trying to get out of a tough situation. He's going to run. We know what he's doing and they can catch him just like that because that's going to really determine whether or not he's a successful quarterback at UCF or not so successful at UCF. And maybe it won't show up against his first game at SC State, but it's going to show up against some of those tougher teams like Georgia Tech, Louisville, Cincinnati. You know, it's going to show up against some of those other tougher teams uh, later this season. And I think that's honestly what I want to see on Thursday. I want to see tomorrow. Yes, I do want to see him get out of the pocket and make some runs. No disrespect to SC State, but I do want to see him stand in the pocket and make some throws. I want to see that accuracy. I want to see that arm talent. Because, yeah, Mm -hmm. like, listen, week two, you're going, you know, Louisville's coming into your, your, your place. So not saying he can't run all over Louisville. That's not what I'm saying. We saw that he can run over SEC defenses. We've seen that. We need to see him be quarterback John Rice Plumley that stays in the pocket, takes the hit, makes that throw. Yes, he can be elusive, and I we are excited to see that elusiveness getting out of the pocket, making those throws. But let's see how accurate he is compared to a couple of years ago, right? So I do agree with Nick though. They're like, yeah, I can also make the, you know, yeah, he got I can demoted. make the argument though. You know, he did run. Let's let's not undersell him here. He did rush for over a thousand yards and twelve scores in the SEC. Oh. I mean, again, no, how many guys have done oh, that yeah. in, in recent years? In the SEC, be a running quarterback and have that much success. I know Ole Miss didn't have much success, but I think the template is there in the AAC that you can win being a run-first offense. I mean, there were there were years there oh, yeah. when Mike Norvell was at Memphis where they were just pumping out NFL running backs left and right, and they were primarily running offense, and they were able to get to AAC championship games. Even when UCF was rolling, Mm-hmm. They have like three or four head monster at running back every single time, which they probably will have this year, and they have it at quarterback now. So I don't think it hinders them by any means in the conference having this run-style offense. And again, it's important for Gus Malzahn, year two, what's your identity? What's your identity? And I think that's what he's telling everybody right now. We're going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Or like, And yeah, that's the thing. If you're running the ball good, it's going to open up those passing lanes, quick slants to the speedy wide receivers that you have. Talking about, obviously, running backs, you know, Isaiah Bowser, Johnny Richardson. I am pumped to see Johnny Richardson in this offense. Like, we've already seen the insane runs that he can break with just his sheer speed. Bowser basically pummeling guys. Like, that one too much running back is insane. But also, just the sheer fact of having the depth at running back, you got Mark Anthony Richards, RJ Harvey, you know, you have some freshmen in there. That's going to be exciting. Wide receivers. No surprise, realistically, at the, the starters, but Javon Baker, right? Transfer, coming from Alabama. We, we kind of figured Kobe Hudson. We kind of figured Ryan O'Keefe. Javon Baker. Rob, what can Javon Baker bring to this team that maybe they don't already have? But to come in as a transfer, him and Kobe Hudson, and automatically starting with the wide receivers that they have, it's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just another weapon that you're putting into the hands of John Rice Plumley. I mean, I think Gus is very much, and I don't want to say just Gus. I mean, it's been the entire UCF you know staff that's been helping him recruit you know all season and last season. I think, though, you know, getting all these weapons, I mean, they're they're putting John Rice Plumley, and even if they had decided to go with Mikey Keene, they're putting either of those guys in a situation where they're going to be able to have those weapons. So I don't think – if UCF is not great I, at all great this year, it's not going to be for a lack of talent, at least on paper. I mean, you, again, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, you're, you're seeing a guy in Kobe Hudson that – you know, put up yards in the SEC. And granted, Auburn's not a great team uh, right now, but I mean, he's he was doing very well in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have an SEC caliber wide receiver. Then you got Javon Baker, who didn't really see a lot of time in Alabama. But again, another SEC quality wide receiver added already to a guy who I think is 
massively, massively underrated as one of UCF's top weapons that they've had in a long time. Uh, yes, they lost Jalen Robinson, but now you got Ryan O'Keefe, who's fast, who's almost just as fast, if not faster, can run slants, is quick as a bug. And now you're going to really see how good this UCF offense is. Aside from just the run game, you're going to see these wide receivers and how speedy they are alongside John Rice Plumley. Yeah, and then you go from wide receivers. Obviously, um, a name to keep an eye on, Xavier Townsend. He's a freshman. He's kind of that running back wide receiver you know, hybrid. He's on the depth chart. He beat out guys like Quan Lee to get on that depth chart. So, I mean, we were all thinking, oh, Quan Lee's like, you know, going to play early. I mean, Xavier Townsend, it looks like he is a guy that the UCF staff specifically is like, okay, this is going to be a dude in the years coming up. Um, offensive line men, I, they are beasts. You got a couple transfers, three transfers on your offensive line, but all huge guys. You got like Tylen Gabe, uh, Grable at left tackle. He's six, seven. And then at right tackle, you got Ryan Swoboda. He's six ten. So, I mean, getting those two transfers on your left and right side, that's going to make this offensive line pretty stacked, uh, to begin with defensive line. I mean, again, you got some studs. And I think defensively specifically, Nick, right? The defense last year, we're not going to sugarcoat it. The defense last year had its ups and downs, got better later on in the year. But with this new staff coming in at, from last year, you kind of expected those growing pains. This year's defense, I mean, they look stacked. What position group are you kind of most excited for and do you think can make the most noise this this season? I think that that's going to be in the trenches, kind of like you mentioned. I mean, I've always been impressed with Josh Shelazar from the second he got on campus. I thought he was a player, and I know that it was a different regime, but Randy Shannon was obviously a big fan of his, and I think he's a fan of this uh, group as well, of coaches and, and Travis Williams. And then Montavo, obviously, coming back for the COVID year, the fifth year. I mean, he's one of the team leaders. We know what he can do. But I'm, I'm zeroing in on Traymond Morris-Brash. I thought that last season, down the stretch for UCF, he might have been their best player on defense. And if you go back to that Florida game, he was dominant. He was absolutely dominant against Florida's offensive line and was a nightmare for Emory Jones to deal with. So I'm expecting Traymond Morris-Brash to definitely be that guy on that defense this year. Um you know, if I had to find a, a part on this defense that I'm, I'm interested, I'm curious to see how it works out. It's probably going to be linebacker, if I'm being honest. Um, there's no Tatum yeah. Bethune in the middle anymore. And I think he was, again, one of those big leaders of that defense, prime for a big year. You just saw him the other night at, at Florida State, and he was fantastic. I think he's, I think he's going to be an NFL guy, to be honest with you. So we can't undersell that loss there at linebacker. So, but we've already mentioned Jason Johnson stepping in there. I'm curious to see how that takes shape, but. But yeah, if you had to, if I had to zero in on one guy, Trayvon Morris Brash, or Trayvon Morris Brash, I think he's a candidate to get to maybe double digit sacks this year. Oh, and and that's the thing when I'm looking at linebacker, right? The UCF coaches they were all saying the biggest question mark on the defense is linebacker because they had that like when you lose a guy like that, it it becomes a struggle to find that replacement. Having Traymon Morris Brash in that buck position is going to help UCF. Having that guy that he is dominant. He is a beast. Here's the thing that I'm looking at, right? You have Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. He's obviously a stud. Mm -hmm. When I'm looking at the backups, not the starters, but like the backups that they're going to get playing time. Katie McDaniel coming from Kentucky. Brandon Jennings. This dude was the number one linebacker in last year's class. I mean, like, there's no question that UCF is kind of building. They are building for the future. You have guys that maybe won't see the field as much, but Lee Hunter, 6'4", 320 redshirt freshman. I mean, he's coming from Auburn. Rob, when you see the depth, because last year, one guy gets hurt, that position group is screwed. I mean, you're not going to find another guy to take over. This season, UCF staff said, we need to find the depth. And we need to look towards the future and say, okay, what guys have a bunch of years remaining and can really develop and help us? Do you kind of agree and see that kind of how they're shaping this defense up and kind of saying, okay, we're going to go after guys that maybe teams don't really believe in like, and 
Brandon Jennings tore like he had an injury. He didn't play, but he was again, the number one linebacker. What do you see? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, other than what Gus has done for next year's class, I think part of what Gus has been his identity since he's joined UCF has been really reading the transfer portal and saying, yeah, listen, there's some sec guys that the sec teams don't want to play. So I'll pry them away from them. I'll convince them to switch over to central Florida and we'll get them here. And I think that's what you're seeing. Lee Hunter, Katie McDaniel, Javon Baker, Kobe, uh, Kobe Hudson. You're seeing these guys that are, you know, I'm not going to say sec rejects or anything like that, but you're seeing guys that are, you know, maybe not going to get the time that they would in an sec team. And Gus is giving them a chance and he's saying, Hey, come on over and let's see what you got. And I think that's important. I think that's very, very important for future depth. I think it's important for depth now because the one thing UCF sorely lacked on defense under Randy Shannon and Josh Heupel was depth. They did not have that depth. And that's what went from UCF under Frost to UCF under Heupel was that UCF really lacked a lot of depth. And that's what really caused UCF to struggle down the stretch. I mean, other than all the constant criticism around Randy Shannon's defensive schemes that he tried at UCF, it was just, you know, his recruiting was good, but not good enough to get that secured depth. So I think that's one thing that Travis Williams and Gus Malzahn have done a great job of is rating the transfer portal, using it to his advantage and saying, hey, let's shore up our depth so that if one guy goes down, it's next man up. And I think you're seeing it. And they're far, they are far from SEC rejects. I mean, like, no, listen, Auburn did not want to lose Lee Hunter and Kobe Hudson. Like, let's be real here. Lee Hunter, again, redshirt freshman, they did not want to lose him. He was one of the top defensive tackles in the recruiting process for them the year before. Kobe Hudson, their number one wide receiver. Like, Javon Baker, yeah, like, let's be real here. He's at Alabama. He probably knew, like, listen, he got a little bit of playing time, but not a lot. Yeah, maybe you can look at him and say, hey, I want an opportunity. Let me go to UCF and get that opportunity. But a lot of these guys, KD McDaniel was playing a lot for Kentucky. Like, Brandon Jennings, freshman. I mean, again, he didn't see the field. So, I mean... And you're seeing it in recruiting too. I mean, I, we got to move on, but you're seeing it in the recruiting. The 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 better recruits that UCF is getting, these guys are coming. They're not looking at UCF as the little brother or a, ooh, you, you're nice. Like, you look cool, but we have to go to a better school. It's like, these guys are choosing UCF, just like the transfers are choosing. UCF lost 24 tran- to the transfer portal. They gained 18. And none of us are sitting here saying, wow, UCF lost some, like, yes, UCF, Tatum Bethune, Dylan Gabriel. Those are your two big losses. Mm. But when you lose 24 and gain 18, and we're looking at this roster and saying, I would say it's better than last year's. It's better than two years ago. It's mm. probably the best roster we've had since maybe the 2018 season, like 2018, 2017, 2018. That's fair. I mean, I think that's fair. Depth wise, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a UCF fan, and it's exciting to see not just this year, but the future. And obviously, we'll talk recruiting in weeks leading up. You know, we've got signing day coming in a couple months. You know, UCF's class, historic, but we'll talk about that leading up. Boys, let's talk about SC State. <laughs> uh, listen, no disrespect to SC State. They are a good football team. I mean, call like it is. We're all assuming blowout. I mean, it's it's hard. It is hard to talk about because you're like, listen, you got to show them respect. 2021 HBCU national champs. I mean, they beat Deion Sanders team significantly. Jackson State 31 to 10. I mean, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even a game. Uh, Buddy Pugh. What a coach. I mean, hearing the interviews of UCF players and coaches over the last couple of days, the enormous amount of respect. He's 143 and 80 in his career. Four-time uh, MEAC coach of the year. I mean, all-time winningest coach in school history. This is not a team, I think, if this game was happening week four, you not saying upset territory, but I think, thank God it's the first game. Because I think, what does SC State have to lose? I mean, you're coming in, you're wanting to beat big boy UCF. Like, I mean, that's the thought process. So... Nick, obviously, what is UCF, what is the one thing UCF can't do? I know it's the first game and they're already pumped up, but what's the thought process have to be going into a game like SC State where you have a 99.2% chance to win according to ESPN? 
You're probably favored by over 30. What does the mindset need to be, especially for a new QB, you know, new skill players? What does this mindset need to be for this Knights team going into tomorrow? Yeah, it's it's very simple. You just you just got to go out there with the mindset that you're going to kick their. I mean, it, it's. It's really not it's really not all that difficult to figure out here. I mean, you you did a great job of hyping up South Carolina State and I don't want to uh diminish them by any means uh because this is a very this is a very well coached team and there are some players on this team. I know Corey Fields is a damn good quarterback to lead them to that to that MEAC title last year. So, I understand that, but I mean, and like you said, this ain't week 4, this is week 1. Uh they're not playing over there. They're playing um what are we what are we calling it the fbc mortgage is that what we're going with now i mean we could call it the bounce house I, you know it is the yeah. listen they paid a lot of money they paid a lot of money i'm gonna, pa- I'm gonna pass on the bounce house name so i'll go with the fbc um they're playing here i mean 30 and 2 in the last what six years in that in that stadium south carolina state's not beating them so it, it's that simple you just have to have that mindset going in i, I go back to some of the team you what you cannot do in my opinion, is go out there and, and dance around with them like North Carolina did with FAMU the other night. I mean, at that game at one point late in the second quarter was 21 to 14 North Carolina. And eventually North Carolina's talent came through, right? And they started rolling and they won that game, I believe, like 56 to 27. But you think about it, FAMU put 27 points up on North, or North Carolina. I think if you're UCF, just don't allow that to happen. Just don't allow that to happen. Just stomp on them, make your statement and then get ready for Louisville. That's what this is meant to be. I mean, you've seen the longest yard, right? What did he say? You play somebody like Appalachian State, you kick their ass, and you move on. That's all that needs to happen here. No, and I think that's the thing too, right? Like, you need you need to come in and assume this is Cincinnati. Like, you need to assume this is the game that'll put you into the top 25. Because listen... Even though we're looking at UCF's roster and we think they're better than they're the best team in the American, we're looking at that and saying they have the best players. We're third in preseason rankings. I mean, UCF was rated among coaches and all these people as the third best roster in the American. Yes, even if you beat beat SC State, you're not making it into the top 25. But you need to beat these guys handily and show like, yo, you need to get this confidence because guess week or guess what? You're going week two. And you're getting a serious football team in here, a team that you lost to last year. So, I mean, I think gaining the confidence is important. Rob, let's talk about quarterback Corey Fields, okay? Obviously, probably nobody on this podcast, all three of us, we obviously have to do research. You as a fan, I guarantee you, you're going into FBC Mortgage Stadium or the Balance House. You're going there tomorrow, and you're going to be like, oh, who's that guy? I guarantee you, you're going to look him up, and then you're going to be like, oh, that's that's quarterback, Okay. His name's Corey Fields, <laughs> okay? No disrespect. No disrespect at all. Good good quarterback. I mean, again, they played good last year. They won a 2021 HBCU National Championship. Corey Fields, completion percentage last season, 49.6%. 167 for 337. That's pretty bad. Like, we're let's not sure. He went 2,000 yards, 70 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But Rob, forty nine point six percent as a quarterback is not good. No. What? Again, if you're the defense, if you're UCF's defense, and you're trying to make a statement, what are you trying to hold him? Like you're looking at these stats and completion percentage. Number one, you of course, of course, cornerbacks. Again, probably the best corners we've had going into a season in a while. Devontae Brown, Brandon Adams, Corey Thornton. You got some dogs. What are they? What is the mindset going into tomorrow against a quarterback that you know is not bad, but he has struggled, you know, with accuracy and, and completions? What is that mindset going in, especially with corners trying to prove themselves, you know, this season? Yeah, I mean, as far as the defensive line goes, uh, the defensive line is looking to put pressure on him. Uh, clearly, this guy is not good um, <laughs> at accuracy. Mm-hmm. So if you can put, I would even imagine the slightest amount of pressure on him from the defensive line, and you can get him to hurry up and make bad throws, he's going to make bad throws. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even if just looking at the stats from the Jackson State game, uh, um, a game they won, and he threw four touchdowns, he still had a horrible completion rating. So, I mean, even though he's able to put up points and put up touchdowns and, I guess, be accurate when it matters – 
Uh, if you can put the slightest bit of pressure on him from D- UCF's defensive line, which is expected to be very good, as we talked about, uh, I don't see why they can't make him make some really bad throws. And that's going to really make the cornerbacks happy because that means we're going to be picking them off. So if you can force him into bad throws from the defensive line perspective, from the linebacker perspective, if you can force him into bad throws, force him into some, you know, some really head scratching errors, uh, you know, the, the corners are going to feast because that secondary is going to be looking out for every bad pass that that guy throws every, every tip pass, every, you know, uh, every overthrow, every underthrow, they're going to be looking to pick them off. You know, looking at our, our, you know, defensive line, I have a feeling I know exactly how the game's going to go, and I have a feeling it's going to be a very long game. Like, if you just think, if the defensive line does what they're supposed to and just gets to the quarterback, like, a ton, he's throwing the ball away or incompleting the ball, you're looking at a five-hour game. I mean, (laughs) and as quick as our, like, if our offense is, like, as good as we think it's going to be, they're going to be scoring in a couple minutes. So it's, like, a couple minutes scoring, and then, like, you might be off the field in a minute if you're SC State. So it's, like, might be a long game. Might be half the stadium empty at halftime, but we'll take it. I mean, you're not staying to the end, are you? We're true fans. Let's get that straight here, UCF fans. I will stay till the end. I will say though, I mean, we have to. We're going to record a podcast right after the game. I'm trying to, you know, at least get some sleep. Uh, so, <laughs> if we're winning like by forty at halftime, I think I can be like, okay, let's call it. I mean, we saw enough of, you know. I say if they get to Thomas Castellanos, like if we go Mikey Keenan, then Thomas, if we get to the third string quarterback, okay, I, yeah, I think I'm out. out. But um, I think I think all three of us know, though, that this game is going to go probably a lot differently than last year's game. Maybe not weather-wise. I'm hoping there's not a big weather delay like there was for the Boise State game last year. But that Boise State game, I mean, Boise State went in and – kicked UCF in the teeth and really put them on their back oh, I heels mean, until and you, UCF realized, oh, we have to actually win this game. No, and you knew going in, like, okay, this is a tough first game. Like, this is oh, a yeah. – and then they had to sit in their locker room for, like, three hours because of the rain. Mm-hmm. This game is like a, oh, let's go have some fun. Let's just, you know, sit down, you know, jump a little bit. It's a good feeling out game for UCF's, you know, I, I mean, a new quarterback – pretty much a lot of brand new receivers it's a good feeling out game to see what you got no i agree um score prediction um we're gonna get into our season predictions right now but i think we're all assuming ucf dub 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 it's a dub it's a dub 52 to 7 wow that low of numbers 52 yeah i'll go like 40 49-10. I mean, I think it'll score at least a touchdown. I mean, if it's not, it's going to be a, like... I feel bad. I'd feel bad. <laughs> I want Corey Fields to put up numbers. I mean, not good numbers, but <laughs> I want numbers. Let's get above that 49.6%. Let's start off 2022 with, you know, a decent game. Rob, what's your score prediction? Uh, 63 to seven. I'll give him the touchdown. Oh, if we put up 63 points, that'd be so great. Oh. I don't think it'll happen, see but you know, uh, man, that time, you know, if we're scoring 63 points. I mean, I'd love yeah. to see it. <laughs> Could we, here's the thing. Gus keeps bringing him up. Point like out. he goes out of his way. Point that out real quick. Cause I think this is relevant to the quarterback competition. 2019. Do y'all mm-hmm. recall who started that season? Oh, and nope. D- Dylan Gabriel. 2019. 2019? Uh, what oh, no, Dylan no. Gabriel? Okay, see, we Brandon, Brandon Wimbush. Wimbush. All we oh, heard. Oh, God, I forgot. Oh, my God. Heard, see, I remember that. All we heard was Brandon Wimbush, the Notre Dame, coming in here, going to be the, the star quarterback. He's going to tear up the AAC. It took a half of football against a bad team, who escapes my memory right now, to know that he was not the guy. It took a half of football against a yeah. bad team. So I'm just saying, if John Rice Plumley goes out there in the first half, let's just say it's 21 to 10. You know, they're kind of lingering. Maybe he has a pick in there. Maybe the 
Oh, if it's 21 to 10, I mean, yeah. I don't know. At some point, talent wins out. Dylan Gabriel won out pretty quickly that year as a true freshman. So is it out of the possibility that we could see Thomas Castellano sooner before later? I don't know. I think the only difference is if we, like, right when you said 2019, I thought Dylan Gabriel, because I think we all, all UCF fans going into that season were like, okay, this kid is the next thing for us. We knew. And we're like, how quick is he going to start? We're like, okay, Brandon Wimbush comes in and he's like, okay, we're like, he's going to start. In Wimbush's defense, that first game, he wasn't bad. Like, he was good. Like, it was, yes, against a bad team. But Dylan was just so accurate that game. Like, he was just throwing dots. It's like, okay, he's he's a starter. The only difference this season, obviously, is you have Mikey Keene. So it's like, Thomas, you know, Gus has clearly said Mikey is a stud. But Thomas Castellanos, like, he keeps bringing him up. It's almost like, oh, don't forget about Thomas. And it's like, He's a true freshman. I mean, he's clearly shown he's a Gus quarterback. So it might not be this year, but who knows? Next year might be his year. We're getting off topic. Rob, you said 60. I said 63 to 7. 63 to 7. All right. We all got one to know. Louisville. I'll go to Rob first. Do you think that's a UCF dub? Just we'll go through there. I think it's a UCF dub. It's a t- it's probably one of the toughest games of the season. I don't think that's a question. I mean, obviously Louisville's not great, uh, but last year they weren't great either, and we went into Louisville and we lost. So this is absolutely a possibility. We're at home though, and I think we got a much better team. I'm gonna say UCF win. UCF win for Rob Nick. Yeah, I got to go UCF win. I, I go back to the stat of, of winning at home, and I know it's one of the bigger games on the schedule, and I know Louisville's got a really good quarterback there, Malik Cunningham, but I don't. I think UCF might have the better roster right now, and of course at home it's a completely different team, so I'm going to go with UCF. All right, UCF has the better roster, better team, better coach. They're, I think they'll lose. Now, here's my thing, okay? I think my problem, and I think a lot of UCF problems in the years, is we went one undefeated season, and then we went another undefeated season and lost in the bowl game. I think we are so pampered to where we just assume, okay, it's a win. Last year, nobody thought we were losing the Navy, and, and we lost. I am going based off of games that I can see UCF Losing the most out of in the in the schedule with Louisville. Listen, last year Malik Cunningham was a stud against us. Now, do I think we have a good chance to win? Absolutely. I think we like ultimately. I want to say we will win. I'm saying just based off of last year, Louisville is not good. I, I will like we all can say that the roster's not better than us. I think we can stop them. Ultimately, that game is going to come down to can UCF stop Malik Cunningham and doing what he does. If they can stop Malik Cunningham, I think they win the game handily. It's at home. Last year we were away. Dylan Gabriel made a really... Uh, I know people don't want to blame Dylan Gabriel for the pass because, you, you like know, you through his hands, but... Him. You seem like you got No, 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 no. I mean, to be fair, he was he was rough to start both games last season. Like, he was not great. He he got us a, go, a good bowl win against Marshall. That's fine. Um, yay. Um... No offense, but Mikey Keene got us a better bowl win in one year. Just saying. Um, love Dylan Gabriel. Love him. Um, Malik Cunningham is a stud. And that's what I'm saying. Like, listen, they have, um, you know, Ford coming back. He's the tight end for them. He lit us up. Eight rec- receptions for 100 yards. If Malik Cunningham, if we're faster this year than we were last year, if we can ultimately stop Malik Cunningham, I think we win. I'm giving us a loss because, number one, it's early on in the year. It's a, it could be a game that we can lose early on, and it won't affect us moving forward. If UCF picks up the steam, again, it's week two. You know, no, we'll be like, okay, that was a game UCF lost. That's kind of where my head's at. I don't disagree. I mean, I think it's definitely one of the tougher games. If they're going to lose a game this season or multiple games this season, this will be one of them if, if they do lose. Yeah, that's where my head's at. 
So I'm one and one at this point. Obviously, I think we will win, but I'm putting a loss because I want myself to feel better if it's if it is now. Okay, FAU, I'm guessing we're all saying dubs. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's a very interesting game. I think we can all look at that and say, listen, quarterback, very similar to how Malik Cunningham plays. A lot of the quarterbacks on this on this season are guys that get out of the pocket, can run, make those throws. I have a win. I think we've beat Georgia Tech multiple times before. This time we're playing at home, which also helps. It seems like we always go to Atlanta when we play Georgia Tech. Do we have dubs? Do we have uh, a, a loss for this game? Or I have I have a win for UCF. Um, I, okay. I think Georgia Tech was a lot more dangerous when Jameer Gibbs was there, and he has moved on to bigger, bigger pastures and greener ones, maybe well, crimson ones actually, uh, at Alabama. Yep. So I don't see the playmakers there at Georgia Tech. It's at home for UCF as well, so I think they continue rolling. Rob, you got a win? Yeah, I have a win as well. I mean, again, it depends. Like you said, it depends on how they kind of handle a mobile quarterback. But if they can, if the defense is heavily improved this season and can handle that, I think it's easily a W. Um, I think pretty much all of UCF's tough games, Louisville, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, I don't want to get ahead here, but Georgia Tech, um, pretty much all of their tough games are at home. So that heavily plays into UCF's favor. So I would say a W. And it's a lot of games at home to start like it's it's pretty much mm-hmm. your first two games are at home then you are on the road to FAU then you've got another three at home one on the road like you don't really get your away games until the end of the year so I mean that could be a good thing or a bad thing I would assume it's a good thing but um yeah you are getting all of your tough games quote unquote yeah. at home SMU uh, Nick, what do you got? This one's tough. This one's tough because I was going to pick UCF to win every single game at home this year. But I'm going to put that aside, and I think this is where the first loss comes from because I'm very high on SMU. Um, I think Tanner Mordecai might be the best quarterback in the conference. I think there's a strong debate for that, and you could mm-hmm. win that debate. And I know new head coach coming in, Rhett Lashley, but he was at Miami, if you recall. And Tyler Van Dyke was a really good quarterback there for them while he was there, turned into one of the best AAC quarterbacks and in the entire country. So I think Tanner Mordecai is going to get even better. And I think, S- yeah, I think SMU is going in the right direction. I think they're going to win that game. Rob. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a copycat here, but I definitely think SMU wins this game. Um I don't think UCF's going to go undefeated this season, and I think this is probably outside of Cincinnati. I think this is UCF's toughest game of the season. Um, even at home, SMU is a very good team. Um, SMU, I think, is going to give UCF problems, and I think if we're seeing one or two losses this season from UCF, one of them's going to be against SMU. Um, even at home, I think I think SMU is a very very good team. Um, UCF's fairly lucky that they don't have to play Houston as well this year. Um, Cause I could see another loss coming from there, but no, I definitely think SMU is going to give UCF problems and I could see, I'm going to go, I'll go with a loss here. Cause I don't think UCF's going perfect. Well, we're going three for three. Cause that's my second loss is SMU. Nick hit it on the head. Tanner Mordecai is a stud. And if we just go look at the game last year, it was a, now again, I get it. We can't necessarily look it was, it was from last year ball. too much. It is it, 55 to 28. I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, and Tanner Mordecai threw for 377 yards and three touchdowns. Only difference this year, Ulysses Bentley is now at Ole Miss. Yes. And, you know, he ran for 97 yards. Trey Siggers, though, 11 carries, 93 yards, three TDs. He is still there. He is the number one back. So I think UCF is going to have those problems. Now, Mordecai is not necessarily, he's not a guy that can run out, like he's not a run out of the pocket, run, like run around. He is that prototypical, you know, stay in the pocket. He can make, you know, plays on his feet. That I think can help UCF in the sense of, again, if you can just get pressure and you can keep him in the pocket, that might be beneficial for UCF because again, nothing against D-line last year. 
there wasn't a lot of pressure last year where I think this year, the expectation is you've got dogs up front that are going to get to the quarterback regardless with the linebackers, defensive tackle, defensive line in general. So that game can go totally different. Again, it is at home this time. We we're just, again, we haven't seen this team play. We can go after Louisville and be like, okay, this team is crazy good. Like we can ultimately win this game based on the preseason look and what happened last year to a degree. I think that's why we're all saying could be a potential loss versus SMU. But at that point, I have them for two losses. Nick and Rob has them for one. So let's go down the list. Temple, I think we're all assuming a dub. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Yes. That's the worst yes. team. East Carolina, worst team for Temple, right? Like, so it's like you bounce back off of a loss. You get Temple. So it's like you have some hard matchups. The The early season is not easy. Like Louisville, FAU show, like they looked, you know, they look pretty good. I mean, they look like a good team. Georgia Tech, SMU. It's a pretty hard beginning. Then you get Temple in East Carolina. Now, East Carolina running game, pretty good. Like, one of the best in the American. You stop the run, though, you're beating East Carolina. So, are we assuming win-win, Temple, East Carolina, win-win? Yeah, yeah, I think East Carolina might be a little bit of a a testy one, I guess, away. Yeah, Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a walk in the park by any means, but I do think UCF will eventually prevail in that one. Talent, again, I think is going to win out. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they are, if they run all over us, I mean, if it's, you know, if it gets bad where they just, we can't stop the run, it could be a, you know, offensive scoring match. But again, I maybe, maybe I shouldn't be putting this much pressure on the defensive line, but I'm basically saying, yo, like, you guys are supposedly this good. Let's see how good you are. Like, you're getting a top running back in the American. Let's see if you could stop him. You stop him, you stop the team. I mean, and then our offense. And a lot of this is dependent on the offense. I mean, last year was, if we look at the offensive years from previous years with UCF, it was a down year on offense. There were some games we would only put up 14 points. That is unlike UCF. So, I mean, this is going to be a big test. We've got the weapons. We've got the quarterback, supposedly. Let's put up some points. Let's score on these guys. It's the American. Let's put up some points on these guys. Then you go to the next week. UCF versus Cincy. I think we can all contest. This is the biggest game on the schedule. It's the rivalry game, the main rivalry game on our schedule this year. We know that's the truth. Hmm. I'll start with you, Rob. What are you looking at with this game? This is if this is basically up to this point. This is this is a must win. If you want to get anywhere, if you want to get anywhere, it's a must win against Cincy. So what are you looking at? I'm gonna say W. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, but I don't think, I mean, Cincinnati, I think is coming, uh, into the season ranked 23rd in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't think Cincinnati is going to be anywhere near as good as they've been the last couple of years. I mean, they pretty much lost everybody. They lost all of their defense. They lost Desmond Ritter. Um, that's going to hurt them because Desmond Ritter was great for them. Their defense was their main you know, their main, their main focus, Oscar Gardner, you know, and company. Um, so I don't think Cincinnati has the recruiting power or the transfer power that a lot of other teams like an Alabama would have, or even like a Georgia. And I think people are even saying Georgia's not going to be nowhere near as good as they were last year. Um, so for Cincinnati, still an American team, it's very hard to replace all those guys. So I don't think Cincinnati is going to be anywhere near as good as they were last year. That doesn't mean I think they're going to fall off. I still think they're amongst the top three teams in the AAC. But I think UCF being at home, UCF, at least on paper, um, obviously I think the quarterback's in question, but I think UCF on paper should be the better team. Um, I'll have UCF uh, getting a victory here. Who does Cincy play week one? Arkansas. Isn't it like they play Arkansas week one? Which I think they're going to lose, but I also don't think Arkansas is going to be as good. as No, and that's year. the thing they can. They're twenty third to start. They lose week one, they drop out of the top twenty five. Well, here's the thing too: oh, it's not just. I think everybody's going to talk about Ritter not being there, but I mean Jerome Ford's not there. 
We know how important he was to the offense. No. Alec Pierce is not there. We know he impo- how important he was to the offense. You mentioned Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, who's been balling so far in Seattle in the preseason and camp is not there. You lost your top two corners. It's a completely different Cincinnati team. So it's almost a hard – it's the hardest game for me to predict right now because there's so much change going on at Cincinnati. I need to really see them in that first game. I know that that's the, that's the cop-out. I get it. I need to see them against Arkansas first, but see them in the first. It, game, it's it's hard to judge Cincinnati right now. It really is. Well, and that's what I'm not going to say that they shouldn't be ranked 23rd. I will I put mean, it like that. You I feel like it's a fair ranking. If I'm not for, if I'm not mistaken, after they went on their the 2017 run, the next year they came back with a lot of a lot of the same team, and they were ranked what all yeah. the way into the 20s, correct? And I think that roster yeah. and that team is way better than the Cincinnati one that's returning this year. And again, things have evolved. I get it, but I, I don't know. I just I, I haven't seen the stars yet for Cincinnati to evolve. But again, they've been recruiting. Luke Fickle's been doing a great job recruiting, so I'm sure they're deep. But I got to see him against Arkansas. Yeah, you got to put the pieces together. I mean, that's really the question. I mean, you lost starters on both sides of the ball, and not just any starters, like your top players. So. Again, uh, we can always make the argument that the 2017 team was a million times better than last year's Cincy team. We don't need to get in that argument, but it will be interesting. If they go lost week one to Arkansas, I mean, yeah, you can imagine like, you know, do they win out or do they win out until we get to the UCF game? Or do they kind of fall off and say, listen, we're a completely different different team and it's a little bit of a struggle. Um, I've got them winning. Uh, or UCF winning, like I think, again, we've talked about it. Again, we don't know what we're going to get out of Cincy, and I think it is going to be a completely different team. Let's see how this quarterback does, and let's see um, where UCF is at uh, at this point in the season. Final four. We'll go Memphis, Tulane. So it's at Memphis. So, again, you're you're going on a little bit of a, you know, a way fest because you go at East Carolina, then back home to Cincy, at Memphis, at Tulane at home versus Navy, and then you have to go to South Florida. So Memphis, Tulane, Navy, USF, okay? Before we get into the USF game, do we see any losses out of those four to this point in the year? You are ending. Now, Memphis could be a little bit difficult. They always are with us. Do you see any four of those games being a challenge for UCF? I would say, I would say of the of those, I would say probably the Memphis game. Yeah, I think Memphis. Mem- again, like you said, Sean, Memphis always plays UCF very tough and always gives UCF like a weird tough time. Um, I would say Navy, just like you know, last year Navy gave UCF problems, but UCF again. I know we're we're saying at home a lot, but I think UCF being at home absolutely makes a difference. Again, Nick said it earlier: thirty and two when they're at home. I mean, the, the, the proof is in the pudding with UCF, and that's through multiple staff changes. So I think with UCF being at home, I don't think the Navy game is as tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I would already say that I think away, I think Memphis is the toughest game. And if, if there's going to be a loss in this, this last stretch of the season, I think it's going to be Memphis on the road. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think – you know, it brings up an interesting thought process because Memphis has always been a tough team. I don't think with the Navy, I agree. Last year, again, I just look at the defense differently this year. Now, again, we have not seen them on the field. We are going strictly based off the name, what we saw in the spring game. It's a deeper defense. And it's one year into this new defense that they are running, right? So Travis Williams has a year under his belt with pretty much the same guys. It's pretty much the same defense when it comes to players, but I don't think Navy will be a problem. Nick, out of those four games at Memphis, at Tulane versus Navy, and then at USF, what would present the biggest challenge to the Knights in that final stretch? I think it's USF. I think it's USF. And you're, I, 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 know, I, I know you're rolling your eyes. I understand that, but come on, dude. What? what? Be honest. What, what's the problem? It makes no sense, dude. Okay. Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. They are you... projected to win less than four games in, in the season. You? 
everybody. I mean, no, well, it's everybody. been talked about. I'm I not mean, everybody. You, um, I'm again. I, I'm a lot more connected to what's going on over here in USF, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my night colored glasses off for a second here and really analyze this. Fact of the matter is, just remember it is a UCF podcast. It's a UCF podcast, but are we keeping it real or we or what are we doing here? I mean, we're keeping it real. We can go into everything with USF. I mean, they've got they're finally building a stadium, but I mean, when is that stadium actually going to come up? I don't know, but I'm just I'm just talking. They're never going to go to a Power Five conference because, again, it's just the sheer factor that they don't have the funding. They don't have. The fan base, realistically, I mean, you're playing in an NFL stadium and barely holds, uh, you barely get at least seven, 8,000 out of game. Right, well, so, I mean, there. We got all that. But strictly speaking on the football field, the fact of the matter is a pretty awful USF team put, put, put up 48 points on UCF not even two years ago, right? And that was a closer game than everybody wants to realize at USF. Do I have to bring up last year? It was 17 to 13, and... I know a lot of USF fans are ticked off by the end of that game. What happened? The fact they were right there. It was the right they were right there at the end with a chance to win the football game. And I think the fact that, and right again, call. I think USF's a much better side this year. I think Gary Bohannon, I, listen, I'm going to make another statement right here, and I know UCF fans don't want to hear it. I think Gary Bohannon's a more impactful transfer than John Rice Plumley is because the guy won 10 games in the Big 12. And I don't, I, I think that's important. So I think he is worth more wins than USF. It is at home. I think there's more of a rejuvenated fan base there that's ready and excited. The program, they did well in the portal, just like UCF, and they're desperate. Damn, they've won three games in the last two years. They're desperate. It's. I'm telling you, I think USF is going to be a very tough out in that game, and I, I'm not going to – I'm not saying I'm going to pick them to win the game, but if it was that close last year, at, I mean, yeah. if you think they're this good, you might as well pick them to win. <laughs> if Gary Bohannon is a bigger impactful transfer than John Rice, then pick them to well, win. They, well, Put they, your money where your roster is. Still, the roster is still I mean, not what, you, what UCF says. Okay, so okay, then let's okay, but okay, then let's look at that. Okay, Gary Bohannon, right? Was at Baylor, right? Let's look at that roster. Now put him as a quarterback in USF's yeah, roster. The, hey, Who's he throwing to? Who's the, the running back? The team backs? that Gary Bohannon inherited won like two games a year prior. It was like the worst Baylor team in the history of Baylor teams. I mean, he wasn't playing. If you, but you would rather have that team than than USF. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I think, okay, I think, so that's what okay, I'm saying. I'm, but I'm telling you that last year was a four-point game, and it came down to the wire. I don't think it's that easy to say, oh, UCF. I mean, if it was that easy, UCF would have beaten by 40 last year. When they won two games. Okay, but again, if we... No, because that's not true. I mean, again, we look at UCF's season last year, right? And we're not all oblivious to it. The roster, number one, injuries took over the roster. True. You had a redshirt freshman takeover. True. And Mikey Keene was not perfect. No. I mean, you did get whooped by SMU by 30 points. I think all of us were like, okay, going into the USF game... You obviously want a blowout, but I don't think any of us were shocked that it was 17 to 13 with a chance to win it at the end. Our defense was, they, they, now they played great in that game, but we didn't impress. There was no impressive. If I would be shocked, and I'll say this right now on this pod, right now, first episode, an hour in, I would be absolutely shocked if we get to USF and we don't win by at least three touchdowns, wow. at least three touchdowns, I, you're, anything, and I'm being dead serious. You don't, you can't look at that game. roster. You can't look at hold that. Up. Any, yes, up. anything can happen. I'm not anything saying anything could happen to rivalry. Oh, I mean, Gus Malzahn at Auburn beat Alabama three yeah. times. I'm not saying okay. I mean, there's a roster how, gap. How there. many times has USF beat Nick? When was the last time USF beat UCF in the rivalry? I don't know. What is it? Seven, eight years by this point? Maybe longer. I mean, yeah, it's been a while, right? It's the one game that you can pretty much now. Granted, again, last year was close. This year's a a, a million times better roster than last year. In USF's roster, okay, it's a million put times the quarterback. Better. USF fans, UC USF fans were all praising online. Oh, have Gary Bohan start this year, and then Timmy McLean take over next year. Timmy McLean said, "I'm getting out of that mess. I'm going to UCF." He just came to UCF. He might not even see the field ever. He left. He was going to literally start after Gary Bohannon left. So I don't want to hear this nonsense of like, oh my gosh, USF's the most better roster. Oh my God. No, like USF's roster is trash. 
They won't win more than four <laughs> games. It is a terrible roster. Scott is a terrible, terrible. Like, How do you know he that? He's spewing. Oh my that? god! How do you know that? Because Nick, because he's been spewing for years. Future so bright. Future so bright. We're we're on the up and up. This man, like, I'm sorry. If you were such a great recruiter and such a great coach, we've looked at the American. There are many winnable games on their schedule that they can win. They also make stupid decisions by wanting to play top-tier teams and get fans to come to the building. And guess what? When you play Florida and it's a Florida home game and your home stadium, yeah, like, that looks bad. That looks bad to recruits. So, no, I don't, like, we can sit here and say U.S. Like, once UCF leaves and those four teams leave, USF's going to do better in recruiting because there's not going to be as, like, I'd rather go to USF than some of the schools that joined the American. So, I mean, yeah, they're not having, they're not going to increase to like seven wins. I didn't say they're going to win like, seven games. I think, the, but I, I, I'm just not going to throw them. I'm not gonna if throw you're them saying in the final game of the year, if you're saying in the final game of the year that they're going to give UCF problems, if we're, and now according to your mock of UCF's schedule, you're saying UCF at this point is 11 and one. Or I'm no, ten and, ten and one. I'm a ten. I'm a ten and two for the twelve games. No, but ten and two. Well, okay. So the, what are the two losses? You said the only loss would be SMU. I had the SMU. I'm so waiting and seeing on Cincinnati. But you, I would say to win. I just think I don't want. I don't want to be forced to say that I think USF's going to beat UCF. But I just, I'm not forcing I you. Wanna, I'm just I think trying you, to alert everybody. Don't be surprised if it happens because again. Last season happened. It did happen. It was very close to USF pulling it off. And I think they're – They lost, teams. though. And they still I lost. I understand that. They lost. And, you, and if UCF goes out there and wins by four touchdowns, that's great. That's fantastic. That, I'm, I'll be pleased and I'll come on here in this show in November, December, whatever it is, and I will say – I was wrong, Sean Green, about those USF Bulls, okay? I will do that. But until then now, I'm going to take my Knights colored glasses off and analyze this schedule and tell you that that game is going to be a tough game to win at the end of the season inside Raymond James Stadium. It might be a UCF home game. It probably will be a UCF home game. And you might be correct. And UCF How is that going to I got it. It is UCF's hometown team, Tampa's hometown team. I think also, though, that like UCF's – I think we're both – aren't we all three assuming that UCF's going to have a much better roster than last year? That's why I'm making the argument because last year – I mean, we also didn't have Jalen Robinson for pretty much the entire season last year, and the only other guy was Ryan O'Keefe. And, I mean, obviously you had Bowser and stuff, but now you have Bowser, Richardson. Bowser didn't play in that game. Oh, yeah, Bowser didn't play in that game. So He didn't. uh, Against USF? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he played. He right? played. Did he? He played. Yeah, he was one hundred percent. I don't think, but he played. But even still, even still, even if he did or didn't play in that game, now you have that whole running back core. Again, the question is John Rice Plumley, but you got Javon Baker, you got Ryan O'Keefe, you got Kobe Hudson, you got all this talent that's way better than what UCF fielded last year. So of course, UCF's offense wasn't going to be nearly as good because it was Mikey Keene, Ryan O'Keefe. And a, and a pretty good run game. So I think it's already going to be better. And same with the defense. I mean, again, the defense was strong in U, against USF last year, but now you're looking at a much, much better, much more loaded offense going against USF, who doesn't exactly have a great defense. And listen, there's a lot of questions. I mean, listen, it is the last game of the year. Both of these teams can be completely different by the time we get to that game. So UCF could have a different quarterback. And that's what I'm saying. We have no I, earthly idea what the rosters are going to look like at that point. All I'm saying is I think all three of us can agree on it. UCF's roster is 10 times better than USF. And yes, it's a rivalry game. So anything can happen. But when you're just looking based off of the roster, it's not even a question. UCF would dominate. We remember last year, but... That's all I'm saying. I, I understand where you're coming from, Nick, though. I do understand. it. It's the last rivalry game for a while, most likely, because we have no room on the roster for USF because we're moving on up. You know, we're moving on up, and USF's just staying down there. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know, 
the, it, karma, karma sucks. This is what happens when you leave us out of conversations years ago, and then now you're you're kind of stuck making seven million a year in the American, and we'll be making like thirty. We'll end it there. Um, I have him going ten and two. I think Nick has him going eleven and one with the loss at SMU right now, and then Rob has them going eleven and one, basically copying Nick. It's okay. He was um, doing the same thing, on going eleven anyway. and one. Same thing. He was just choosing, which I'm totally fine with. I like Nick's a smart guy. I would totally agree with that as well. But um, I think all in all, it's going to be a really good season. I think we're all pumped. It's longer than we wanted to go for episode one. But it was a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. We're going two episodes a week. We'll be back. We're posting on Friday. We'll be giving you all of your UCF coverage directly after SC State. And then, yeah, we're going two episodes a week. Potentially some, you know, surprise episodes, which I really want to quickly get to. You know, we are just starting, but... We're looking into doing live episodes, getting live call-ins, trying to get you guys involved. If you've made it this far, I will be shocked if you did. But if you made it this far, it means, listen, you're a big UCF fan. You'll take any UCF content you can get. In the coming weeks, we will be introducing live call-ins, live episodes to try to get everybody involved and to basically hear your takes. Nick, he's a big UCF or USF homer. He likes, you know, he wants to talk great about USF. You can call him out live on the show. What other show can you do that? In the USF space, I mean, Twitter space is shout out to Space Nights, you know, yes, but in this space, you can come in live and say whatever you're thinking about UCF football. With that being said, I appreciate you guys coming and watching us. It's going to be a fun season, a lot of great news, a lot of great things coming up, and I hope you'll stick around with us. Thank you again to Believe. We are excited to join the family and really get the season started. My name is Sean Green, and thank you for listening to Charge On. See you guys on Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.